Hey guys, this is Callie Nixon. Welcome back to The Collective Podcast. A few weeks ago, we had an amazing event called Collective Nourished, where we gathered to encourage one another with singing, Bible teaching, and an amazing brunch. The content was so uplifting, so encouraging, that we wanted to bring our online family into the richness of that time. Christy Shermack is the Executive Director of Watermark Health, a nonprofit partner of Watermark Community Church. She is so wise, so consistent in the study of her Bible, and just a total all-star. Christy takes us to scripture to remind us that Jesus is the one who provides both the bread we need and the courage to serve others. Let's listen in, my friend. What if a message about serving didn't mean that God was asking you to do something more, to feel busier, to be more worn out? Let's go ahead and open our Bibles to Mark 6, and we're going to learn together how we can serve in a way that leaves us feeling nourished, not depleted. Now, before this story in Jesus's life, he's done a variety of miracles. He's casted out demons. He's calmed the wind and the waves of a storm. He's taught others. He's shown the people around him his power and his abilities. And right before where we're about to pick up in the story for the first time, Jesus does something different. Instead of him doing the miracles, he sends out his 12 disciples, his followers, and tells them to go proclaim the good news of Jesus and that they can tell others how to repent from their ways and come to Christ. And they're actually given the ability to heal the sick, to cast out demons. And so that's what's happening when we pick up in Mark 6, verse 30. It says, the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all that they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. Let's remember that they hadn't even eaten. And so then as the scripture goes on, they went by boat to find a quiet place, but people recognized him, started following him, running along the shore. Just imagine the chaos that that would have been. It says that Jesus had compassion on them as he saw them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them. They pulled off the boat and they got out and they started teaching the people that had been following him. And then it says it was getting late in the day. The disciples started to notice, hey, it's late. There's a lot of people here. Let's make sure that they have something to eat. And so they come to Jesus and they ask him, hey, let's send these people away so that they can get go find something to eat. And so in verse 36, Jesus replies and says to them, you feed them. With what, they ask. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. So how do the disciples respond when Jesus gives them a directive to serve others? Their immediate answer to him is it will cost us too much. And so one of my questions for you today is, what has Jesus asked of you that you've decided will cost you too much? You see, some of us haven't even started the amazing adventure of serving the God who nourishes because we're afraid of what it will cost us. Later on in the text, we find out that there were about 5,000 men there, so probably more like fifteen to 20,000 when we include the women and the children. And that's a hard number for us to wrap our minds around. It's almost too big to make sense of. So just for a little bit of context, the Frisco Rough Rider Stadium can fill about 10,000 people. And then the Downtown American Airlines Center where the Mavs play is about 20,000 seats. So somewhere between the size of the Frisco Rough Riders and the American Airlines, that's how many people are being fed in this moment. It's as if Mark Cuban just called you and said, hey, our concession stands are all broken down. I need you to get down to the, the American Airlines Center. Help us out at the Mavs game tonight. I need you to feed all the attendees. Now, you'd have the same reaction that the disciples did. Mark, that is going to cost me too much. 
But the difference here is that it wasn't Mark Cuban asking, it was Jesus. And when Jesus asks us to do something, he's not surprised by or limited by the emotional, spiritual, physical, social, or mental cost of it. When there are moments where we feel like we can't afford to do what God is asking of us, whether it's being he's asking us to give sacrificially or opening up our lives and homes to uncomfortable things, he knows precisely what we have and has a miraculous way to multiply it. Whatever measly offerings we bring to the table, he knows and isn't aware and is not asking us of more than we can do with him. So let's keep reading. Verse 38 says this, how much bread do you have? He asks, go and find out as if Jesus didn't already know. And so the disciples go, they look around the crowd, they came back and they reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. And so Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the grass. He took the loaves and the fish and he looked up toward heaven and he blessed them. And in verse 41, it says, then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share and they all ate as much as they wanted. Okay, so you've got Mark Cuban's phone call. You showed up to the American Airlines Center. You've got two hot dogs, five cotton candy bags. You walk confidently to the center of the court and declare, come and get it, everyone. Dinner is served. When I heard the story of the feeding the 5,000 as a kid, I always imagined that the bread was just some like large French baguette. Even in my imagination, I was trying to give Jesus like more practical ability in this miracle as if maybe if it's a really large piece of bread and he cuts it up into tiny little pieces, that'll make it more doable for him, for the disciples. But in the Gospel of John, we're actually given a detail that Mark doesn't share here. These aren't French baguettes that's being sliced up and passed around. There's something called a barley loaf. And a barley loaf would be like a pita. So if you go to a Mediterranean restaurant and you have some kind of a sandwich, usually it's stuffed inside of a pita, maybe a turkey burger you've had served in a pita. A barley loaf would have looked like that, like a small little circle, and it would have been known as a poor person's food. It would have also been expected to be around during this time of year because John tells us this miracle was happening during the Passover celebration. And barley loaf would have been used to help celebrate when the Israelites looked back at the time that God helped to get them out of slavery from the, slavery from the Egyptians. So they survey the crowd and there's a boy with some poor person food and two fish and they offered up to Jesus to feed 15 to 20,000 people. So my next question for you today is, what gifts do you have that you've decided are too small for God to use? One of the most common lies I see members of this church, this specific church, come up against is the lie that they're not gifted enough, smart enough, experienced enough, or enough enough to get in the game. And I have to tell you, this is a lie straight from the pit of hell. Jesus just used five tortillas and two sardines to feed the American Airlines Center. What can he do with whatever you bring him? your strength of hosting others, your gift to raise children, your ability to lead a classroom or a boardroom. What if instead of assuming these gifts weren't good enough or were too small, we brought them to the God who can multiply things? In verse 41, after Jesus had thanked God for the barley bread and fish, it says that he kept giving the bread to the disciples so that they could distribute it to the people. So let's picture this for a minute. 
imagine a big old space with groups of 50 to 100 in huddles. And so for us today here, there's about 500 of us. So imagine about a fifth of this room. And so that's how many people are sitting in a huddle, a group that size. And then somewhere down in the middle in the front, the disciples are gathered and they've got food and they're going from Jesus, who's doing this miracle at the front, out to the groups. And so, I mean, the scripture doesn't give us the detail here, but I don't think they suddenly acquired a forklift or a U-Haul to move all that food. Maybe they had a donkey, maybe someone used blankets to help cart it. But they would have been doing this very laboriously with their hands. They would have had to come to Jesus, fill up whatever sacks or their hands or their garments or their blankets, and then carry it over to that group of 50 to 100. And to do this, there would have been a rhythm that it would have developed. It would have probably been a long day, full lots of walking, but they would have gone back and forth, back and forth. They would have gone back and forth from the need that they were meeting in those groups of people sitting down on the grass to Jesus who had the supply. They'd be carrying the supplies back and forth, and they'd be coming back to Jesus each time to be replenished. And so think about that for a minute. If they had suddenly started skipping the step of going back to Jesus to be replenished, what would they bring to the next group? They'd go to one group, they'd diminish all their supply to that group of 100, and then they'd try to go to the next and they'd have nothing to give, maybe some crumbs that had accumulated on their shirt. And so they had this rhythm of going back and forth that needed to happen to be able to serve that many people in that kind of a way. And then at the end of the story, we're given a detail that I think is the whole point of what's happening here. It says everyone was satisfied. And after they were satisfied, they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. There were 12 baskets of leftovers after this miracle. Remember back where this story started. Jesus sent out 12 disciples to do miracles in his name. Those 12 disciples came back to share what had happened, and the text says they were hungry and tired. Then 12 disciples did ministry with Jesus and fed more people than is humanly possible. And they had 12 baskets of leftovers at the end. These numbers are not a mistake. Yes, this is absolutely a miracle about Jesus feeding 10 to 20,000 people in a crazy way, but the way he chose to do it is through his disciples. And I think the real point for this is for them to learn what it looks like to work with Jesus rather than for him. The outcome of one left them hungry and tired, and the outcome of the other was they had more food than they knew what to do with. So my final question for you is, are you serving with Jesus or for him? How many of us at the beginning raised our hand and said that we were tired, haggard, running around like this thing dependent on us? Listen, I'm guilty as well, but our exhaustion should tell us that something is off. Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Some of us are eating the bread of anxious toil instead of the barley bread that was flowing freely. Exhaustion tells us that we're believing ministry or service or caring for others is up to us when it really isn't. We serve a God that doesn't ask us to starve ourselves as we feed others. When we serve with him, we end up with more than enough to keep ourselves nourished. This wasn't the first or the last time that God miraculously fed some people. 
He sent daily bread from the sky called manna when the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness. A couple chapters after the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus feeds 4,000. And that's not a typo or a repeat or a copy and paste error. Instead of this time being with a group of Jews with the feeding of the 5,000, it was now with a group of Gentiles. And instead of 12 baskets of leftovers, they have seven baskets of leftovers, which would have been a biblical sign of completion. So this telling of the story shows that Jesus didn't just come for the Jews, but also came to provide for the Gentiles. Jesus feeds again his disciples with bread and wine the night before he's murdered on a cross, pointing out to how his sacrifice will be the ultimate provision and nourishment. And in Revelation, we're told of a feast that is yet to come where those who have put their faith in the sacrifice of Christ will get to be fully present with God at the wedding supper of the Lamb. In John 6, 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Friends, we serve a God who invites us into his kingdom building work, but promises we won't go hungry or thirsty in the process. In the upside down kingdom of Jesus, serving leaves you nourished, not depleted. Thank you all so much for joining us for this bonus episode of The Collective Podcast. If you're in the area, we make sure to go to watermark.org slash collective to sign up for our next upcoming events. If you're not in the area, we're so glad you're tuning in. Give us a follow on Instagram at watermark underscore collective or send us an email to collective at watermark.org if there's any way we can care for you, any way we can serve you. Women, you are known, seen, and loved by the only one whose opinion of you matters. And we'll see you next time on The Collective Podcast.